Money Roots is made possible by the support of our sponsor, Rooted Planning Group. Are you ready to take control of your financial future? Look no further than Rooted Planning Group, your trusted partner in financial well-being. At www.rootedpg.com, you'll discover a wealth of resources and expertise to help you thrive financially. Rooted Planning Group specializes in personalized financial planning, investment management, and retirement strategies. They understand that every financial journey is unique, and they're here to guide you every step of the way. With a team of experienced advisors, Rooted Planning Group is committed to helping you cultivate a secure and prosperous future. Visit www.rootedpg.com today to learn more about how Rooted Planning Group can help you grow your money roots. Every week, it's my goal to share a story of someone's journey through their life and financial vineyard. We take you from their roots to the journey of their vines and the influences in the air that have helped craft their delicious lives. Like wine, life and finances have different palates that should be celebrated and not judged. I'm very fortunate to have two wonderful women on the podcast today, Tina Kilroy and Sarah Holden. You will hear a bit about their experience of working at the Investment Company Institute, ICI. Their website is ICI.org. They're extraordinary interview and there are some great resources that we talk about in this podcast. However, once we stopped recording, and it's kind of a funny story because in the middle of recording, all of a sudden they just dropped. And so we had to pick up and kind of start over. But at the end of the recording, I wish I had kept our conversation with the record button running because we started talking about a part of their website that actually shows people where they're at compared to where their generation is at. So you can go out online, you can get some information uh, under their resources and publications and articles. This is a wonderful website to go get legitimate vetted information. And I'm so excited that these two women took time out of their busy lives to talk with us. They have a great blog that you can go to. They also wrote about the Secure Act like we did a couple of weeks ago. There's just a ton of information. We certainly have great information in the show notes about this organization, but check out in particular their resource and statistics tab. They have some just a plethora of information available. I know I've said that a ton of times right now, but I think it's really good information that you all might be interested. With that said, we'd love for you to sit on back, grab your favorite beverage and enjoy the show. Well, welcome to the show, Sarah Holden and Tina Kilroy. We are so excited to have you as guests. We love our Friday recording days anymore because we know if we don't have a glass of wine in our hand, we soon will. Um, So we are so appreciative of you taking time out of your busy schedule and uh, meeting with us today. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks so much for having us on. I am so interested in digging into your journey, uh, but of course, I have to know, uh, are you guys wine drinkers? Yes, indeed. Uh, in, in my case, this is Sarah. Anything that has bubbles in it is good by me. And, uh, you know, you can have something with bubbles with crackers and cheese or chocolate. So it's quite versatile. And this is Tina. I, of course, 
like wines myself as well. Um, I do prefer wine um, on the drier side, not so sweet. I really love a good Sauvignon Blanc or a um, Pinot Noir. Are you region specific? Do you like a specific region or do you just like anything that's red and and well, Pinot Noir? I live, in, I live in Virginia. This is Tina. I live in Virginia. So I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't recommend a Virginia wine. Um, there's a winery outside of Charlottesville called Veritas and they make a really delicious vinoir. Hmm. I'm always up for it's very fruity, fresh and lush. So I would recommend <laughs> that one. How about the bubbly? Any particular region? Really, any region is fine. <laughs> as long as it's cold. <laughs> well, I have driven through Virginia many times and seen some of the wineries uh, signs. And um, we've so my husband and I have said so many times we need to stop at some of these wineries. Virginia isn't necessarily known, but neither was New York ten years ago. So. Yeah, more are becoming known for them. Yeah, well, it's got good growing region, actually. I mean, it's it's hot and humid in the summertime, more so on, in so, certain aspects of it. But there's also some mountains to Virginia that people forget, and that's a good region for, for growing. So um, I will take your advice and try to explore that on my journey next time. <laughs> Target. <laughs> so digging into um, your respective journey and what I like to call the, the vineyard of our lives, because I love wine so much, I can relate anything back to a vineyard just about. And um, the influences that people have, you know, in their lives, I would love to, to give have each of you tell me a little bit about the formation of your now beautiful vineyard. Tina, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll start. I um I think my my parents and my family certainly um were big in forming my vineyard. I feel really fortunate. I got to watch my dad um starting when I from when I was little. He worked really hard to build a business and strike out on his own and I was able to see how my parents supported each other through his journey. Um those things definitely made a huge impression on me as a child. And my parents too really emphasize the value of education and investing in yourself. And that has had a, a really big impact on me, the way that they sacrificed for my education. And they certainly never let me forget it either. <laughs> things that um, I hope to impress on my children too. Um, I've also often found that when I hire people, uh, the people who grew up in a home where there was self-employment or, you know, sole, sole proprietor or something like that, they really understand the running of the business. You know, they, they understand the expense side a bit more. And I've asked people that have grown up like that, you know, where was that something that your parents talked about? And it's just, they're like, I don't know. I think we just, it was just part of our lives. It's like osmosis. <laughs> Would you say that that's a true statement? I think it's true. And I think it's, it's kind of interesting because I see both that how hard my dad worked um, to build his business. Um, you kind of, it's, you, it can make you almost risk averse because you see how much, how much risk they take on themselves and how difficult it can be, but it can also make you really inspired to, you know, do something like that yourself. So. And I'm sure from a financial perspective, there were lots of lessons. Absolutely. That <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And to um, be responsible with your, with your finances um, is pretty foundational mm -hmm. in that. 
So the dirt in your life <laughs> was formed very early. The, the nutrients were formed very early. Uh, Sarah, how about you? So I have a more sort of outward looking approach to uh, building the vineyard. Uh, one of uh, sort of more adventure and uh, looking to literature and reading. Um, so one of my favorite authors, it's not a highbrow author at all. It's Gerald Durrell. And his uh, life actually has become a PBS series now, The Durrells in Corfu. But his books are written from the viewpoint of a little boy on an island in Greece who you know, got moved away from England to a new land where, you know, he really had to find a way to feel at home and, and to fit in. And he just had a curiosity to explore and just take in everything. And so I sort of think that in, in building your vineyard or growing your vineyard, it's um, maybe going out and gathering some other plants or other types of <laughs> vines to bring home to put in that vineyard and also taking the time to go through the vineyard and mm -hmm. look for the snail that's crawling on the vine or the butterfly that's going by or the worm that isn't so pretty but is going to help. And so I think that I got an appreciation for uh, just exploring uh, the world around you and bringing it home to plant for yourself, so to speak. I also love, uh, grew up with the image of Rosie the Riveter <laughs> as a poster in my room. And uh, the poster says, we can do it. And I think that getting that message early on has really been important as, you know, when you come to tackle anything, whether it's, you know, your first day of, you know, going to nursery school or kindergarten or going to high school or going off to college, whatever the threshold you're trying to go over is to have that message uh, with a positive picture to go with it of, you know, we can do it uh, really helped me as well, you know, as I've moved through life and my career. Um, I love that. I love that that was the poster that's in your room, first of all, because um, many people have heard me if they've listened at all to this podcast. I always say, if she can see it, she can be it. And I, I think that, um, you know, professions that are still very male dominated, there hasn't been enough women figures in that field or they haven't you know, had the opportunity to make themselves as well seen so that young women think that that's an option that they have available to them about Three or four years ago, my husband and I took my parents over to the Cape Canaveral um, Space Center. And we were standing there looking at the space shuttle that's like, you know, it's being hung from the ceiling. And so you can look up underneath it and you can see the parts and pieces of it. And I was just so intrigued by the math that went into that, like just amazed at the mathematical minds. And this was around the time that Hidden Figures was coming out, but I hadn't seen that movie yet. Um, and I just, I thought, my goodness, I love what I do and I would never change it. But had I known that this was a, <laughs> a field that I could actually do, I don't know what I have explored that as an option. And I just didn't, that just wasn't, I was right on the verge, um, you know, of, of women being in different professional environments besides nursing and teaching. So um, I think that the fact that you grew up with that idea in your bedroom that we can do it really, really set a great tone for you. 
the um, it, it's a you know a great message to get out to all young people uh, that you know as you say if you if you can dream it you can become it and uh, to have that positive uh, sort of aspiration is so important. And you also mentioned Georgia O'Keeffe, I believe. Yes, I also um, love art museums and art. And Georgia O'Keeffe, uh, just a, a figure I respect so in terms of, you know, being a woman and going ahead in, in a field and doing just incredible works of art and being so independent and, you know, finding beauty in things that people didn't think were beautiful, like the bones out in the desert. And to paint that uh, just again, a, a new vine or a new path or a new way of looking at things. I love the idea of exploring uh, beyond what's right in front of your face and digging into the um, beauty of what something can be and thinking of it differently. Uh, that's an amazing, it's, Th those are amazing influences and formations, people that crafted, crafted your life. How do you think it, when you think of your life right now, how do you, how do you think that it has helped you in business? What are some of the ways that you do business that these influences have participated in? I think we do a, a lot of research here, which means we're always analyzing uh, numbers and looking at data. And I think that I come to the data in the same way that I, I come to a painting or, or to any path in the world is that I uh, come at it with the question of, does this look right? Uh, is this taking, a, you know, is this telling us something new or different? Or what can I appreciate from these data? And just always trying to find new ways to look at things. So just as an example, in our research, um, IRA investors, so individual retirement account investors, not too many people actually contribute to traditional IRAs. Uh, many people use them as a rollover vehicle. So if I change jobs, I move the account to the IRA and then I, I you know, don't contribute. Uh, but we were able with our data to take a look at those few folks who were contributing uh, to see, you know, were they doing it on a regular basis? And this is, you know, an example of you've got sort of a top line statistic that you meet. And then you say, well, let's dig further and see what's behind that top line statistic. Is there some additional insight that we can gain? And so we found that people who do contribute to IRAs do so year after year after year after year. And then there are some folks who are literally using it as a parking lot. They put their rollover there and they parked it and they're probably contributing to their 401k, which is giving them the savings that they need. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think that having this uh, sort of exploratory approach to everything is very helpful when you're doing research and you're trying to solve puzzles of, you know, why people did what they did or why did a number grow the way it grew. Um, so I think it just as a, an approach uh, is, a, is a good way to go in so many areas. Well, I believe the number one personality trait is curiosity. If a person is curious they can learn anything. Um, they're driven, usually. You know, curious persons are, people are very driven. Um, and I love working with them because they, they want to know the why <laughs> everything, which is great most of the time. <laughs> what, you know, so um, Tina, I'm going to go back to you for a quick moment. Um, you talked about 
um, your parents and the family business and all of that. What do you think, um, you know, that as far as like the way that your life has been formed, what, how have you crafted your special talent for the world? Well, I, I was reflecting on your questions and I focused in on my special talent for the world as parallel parking. Which is a special <laughs> talent, by the way. <laughs> that was a tricky question. Um, but I think the way that I see that um, special talent is I really am able to sort of um, take a deep breath and compartmentalize mm-hmm. and focus in on sort of the one thing that needs doing when it needs doing. Um, and the ability to sort of tune everything out and, and get get it done. Um, I think is is important, and I think it's served me well um, so far in my career. And I think that that probably goes back to um, what I learned, you know, way back when at home mm-hmm. from my from my parents. That's not always um, easy. I mean, we have phones yeah. ringing, emails coming in, clients calling, and um, you know, kids sometimes calling, parents sometimes calling. It's it's yeah. a challenge. It's con- it is, and I I have little children myself, so I. Definitely, I think it's a skill that's developed <laughs> since I've had kids too, because um, you know you're constantly being pulled in a million directions. And um, when I come to work, I try to focus on work so that when I go home, I can focus on home and then you know pick back up work as needed. So that I think is just a life skill that everyone can use. Is there one thing that when you feel like you know? everything is being is pulling you in one direction. Cause I don't believe in this, um, you know, find the balance thing. I'm like, I, maybe, maybe it exists, but nobody that I hang out with talk to or have interviewed has ever truly found the balance. So is there one tip that you would give that would, um, that would help people think about compartmentalizing? Like if they just don't have that as an innate skill, what could they start to do to form that? Well, I think the balance is maybe minute by minute sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's never maybe on balance, things can be balanced, but you're maybe pulled one way and pulled another way, depending on what's mm-hmm. going on in your life. So you have to find that prioritization of what is the thing now and how can I focus on getting the thing done? Um, I, I read something, um, a while back that really helped me sort of focus on that, which is like, get it done now, touch it once was actually the phrase. So if you have the chance to do something, do it, get it done, (laughs) touch it once. Don't have to keep coming back and touching, touching, touching. Um, and that's a way to sort of clear the decks and move on to the next thing. Yeah. I just read a book. Um, it's how to stop procrastinating and use the two minute. It's a life hack. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with mm-hmm. it or not, but James Clear. And he said that if something takes less than two minutes, just do it. Yeah. Like don't, don't put stuff like that off. Just do it. And because generally by the time you come back to something that would t- have taken you less than two minutes, the space in your mind to get back in that frame of mind to complete it will actually take, you know, more time than if you had just done it in under two minutes. So to your point, I think um, when you are able to break, to break that down and compartmentalize and, and I joke with people that you, you can't flip my brain. Like if you're, 
if we're talking about X, we're going to talk about X. And I'm going to write down this Y thing that you just brought up, but let's finish talking about X. Yeah. <laughs> because I, I'm not a good jackrabbit. <laughs> I don't work like that. And you're right. Sorry to do, but I think if you really make it a, something that you're trying to improve, it's a skill that can be yeah. learned. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a good skill because it does allow you to get the job done. And when you go home, spend time at home and not be worried about, oh, did I forget this or did I forget that? And um, Sarah, you also have, and I laughed when I read your response to this question. <laughs> you also have a special talent for the world <laughs> that you should share. Yeah, I've, I've become, first of all, I've started reading license plates. So I don't know if you've noticed all the Teslas, they usually have really fun license plates, but I, I also read bumper stickers. And so when I got your question about special talent, I, it just made me think of a bumper sticker that I'd seen the other day, and I thought, "Yes, this is this is this is it." Um, and the bumper sticker said, "Those who say it can't be done should get out of the way of those doing it." And I, I this is where any task or problem or suggestion or idea comes up. I want. I have an attitude of, well, let's see if we can get this done and we can make this work as opposed to, you know, all the reasons why it won't work, or we can't do it, or we don't have time, or we, you know, don't have glue at home. I'm like, well, then we're going to use tape. Uh, so uh, there's, I think just the, you know, when things present themselves, figure out what it is that you need to do to get it done. And, and the one you're probably referring to uh, that I also just got a huge kick out of was uh, fasten your seatbelt. It makes it harder for the aliens to pull you from the car. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought if, if just keeping safe isn't enough for you, you know, when the alien ship appears in the sky and they're going to suck you out of that car, if you are seatbelted in, you stand a better chance. The reason that that made me laugh so hard, I mean, I just, I was prepared, you know, I, I was prepared for today and I was reading down through things and I'm like, I just burst out laughing. And my husband was sitting out far from me. He said, what's that funny? And I said, oh, you're going to love this one because he is convinced <laughs> that the aliens are looking down on us laughing. Like he thinks that, you know, that, you know, there's like our phones that were planted on this earth so that they could track us better. Like he's just, he's funny about stuff like that. <laughs> so when I read, when I read your quote to him, he's like, see, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> One more reason for seatbelts. Of course, they may just take the whole car. <laughs> I think he truly believes in men in black. Like I, <laughs> so I absolutely loved that that uh, special talent that you have for the world. Um, but I do think the can-do spirit, and I think that's a um, to you know to point out both of your levels of success. Um, even even in Tina's response about you know compartmentalizing, it's that ability to sort of just say, well, and people have heard me say that the word no really is equivalent to the word on, right? So when somebody says no, um, I'm pretty sure if you look at, in the mirror, then it translates to on. And um, I was slightly dyslexic growing up. So I often understood no to be on. And I think, and I'm not being facetious on that. I mean, it, it was true. Like I just, I struggled a lot. And I think when you have that, um, 
spirit of I'm gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna let this challenge get in my way. It leads to other successes that sometimes you didn't even plan for. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you just start from the idea of, you know, a project presents itself and it may be we don't have the perfect data to answer that question. Mm-hmm. So you say, well, well, what question could we answer? What, you know, could we figure out with what we've got? And it's kind of like, you know, even for little decisions, like you get home at night and you open the refrigerator and you were hoping you might be making one thing for dinner, but it turns out you have the ingredients for something completely different. So that's mm-hmm. going to be what you've got to go with. And it's sort of, it's can do and also make the most of what it is that you're working with um, would be, I guess, the corollary uh, to it. But I think that it really applies in how you approach, you know, research, how you approach uh, managing your finances, how you approach managing dinner every night. Yeah, and I think um, saving for retirement can be like too, where people might hit a wall and feel overwhelmed with making decisions, but um, you can really see it as an opportunity to overcome that, to set a financial goal and find the way to reach that goal. Retirement. Yeah. Yeah. So for example, um, you know, saving for retirement, we spend a lot of time, Tina does a whole lot of educational material on that. I spend a lot of time researching saving for retirement and there's so many ways to do it. Uh, so many different types of plans, you know, is your employer offering you a 401k? Are you going to have to open up an IRA yourself? If you open an IRA, where are you going to open it? How much are you going to contribute? What are you going to invest it in? Um, there's just so many uh, decisions and so many things that go into saving for retirement. But the thing to do is say, you know what, I can do this, I'm going to do this, and just mm-hmm. take it one step at a time, and put a little bit in just to get started. And that little bit, you know, you can really overcome, you know, the obstacles people feel. It's not a huge amount. Just put a little bit in to start and just get going. And I think that uh, that's an example of where sort of making the most and can-do spirit and sort of overcoming uh, can really put people on a really good financial path with, it's really one small step. And I think often sometimes there's perceived barriers And um, you mentioned Tina does a lot of education around this and that education breaks down barriers. So I can't afford to save $5. But when you educate about what that $5 is actually going to be, I mean, you know, it's a perceived barrier sometimes. And when you can get around the perceived barrier and say, I can do this, I can save five bucks that mentality switch is amazing. It's incredible. And I'm sure over the years, you guys have seen clients as I have say, you told me to do this and I did that and look at what it is now. And they're so proud, right? They have those proud moments. Yeah. I think that we see that uh, you talk about clients. So for example, an IRA investor. So that's a case where um, the individual needs to make the decision that they're going to save for retirement and then they've got to decide where they're going to open the IRA. Our data show us that 
uh, three quarters of uh, households who have traditional IRAs went to get help from an investment professional in opening their IRA. So they went to a brokerage firm or a financial planner or someone like that to help them. Um, but we had 31% who were do-it-yourself investors, and they just went online to a mutual fund company or a discount brokerage. So, you know, there's ways to, you know, you can get education, financial education, go to uh, websites to learn about it, but you could also go to an investment professional who could help you. Or if you're do-it-yourself, you just go direct and get there. And I think that, you know, just getting that step to opening the IRA uh, gets them on the path. And where we've had a lot of innovation actually in overcoming the barrier of, of getting started is in 401k plans. Uh, quite a few plans now automatically enroll people. So you start your job and if you do nothing, they actually start to in the plan. Uh, so they're taking a little bit of your paycheck before you even see it in your bank account and putting it aside for you. And then at some point you get a statement that shows what you've accumulated and it, it really is a, a great, pleasant you know, surprise for people to see how that little paycheck by paycheck really adds up. Yeah, I loved it. Um, I was in the uh, retirement plan consulting business when that law was passed that employers could do that. And it was one of my favorite parts of the legislation and encouraged a lot of our plan uh, sponsors to elect that. Uh, into their plan, you know, to write that into their plan. And it's been one of the most impactful uh, pieces of legislation, in my opinion, because it's, again, it's a barrier. And when they, when they then implemented that the um, employers would enroll them, not only in the plan, so it wasn't going into like money market, you know, but they would enroll them into age um, target dated plans Again, I think very impactful legislation uh, that uh, breaks down a barrier. It just, it takes it, it removes that barrier altogether. So for me, um, you know, it was, again, one of the most meaningful pieces of legislation I thought was passed all those years ago. And I just dated myself. So sorry. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> let's, not, let's not hover on that one. Uh, uh, there was the Pension Protection Act um, 2006. Yep. And uh, it, um, yeah, we would agree that it really, it helped make it perfectly clear to the employers that they could do the automatic enrollment. So that's step one, start saving. Um, the other part of plan design that wasn't really impacted by that law, but that really helps people accumulate a nest egg in the 401k is nine out of 10 401k participants are in a plan where their employer actually puts money into their account as well. Mm -hmm. And so uh, in some cases, the employer will just put a, a bit into everybody's account. In most cases, uh, in order to get that employer money, you have to contribute. And so uh, this is where I put in, let's say, 6% of my pay. If the employer matches 50 cents on the dollar, they're putting in a whole nother 3% for me. And that's just a huge boost to my account right there. And so, again, another way in which uh, people can build that nest egg is, you know, we get you automatically enrolled or you enroll yourself and then you have this employer money that helps you. And we would also agree that the, uh, the Pension Protection Act made it so that plan sponsors could be comfortable putting you into a diversified investment because, you know, a money market fund is really not going to earn you much in the way of returns. 
And with the target date fund, if you're young, it has a lot of equity in it, so you can reach for that growth. And as you age and approach the retire your retirement age, it's rebalancing to become focused on income, which is what you'll be focused on at that point. So a great uh, combination for people, a diversified portfolio that rebalances, gives them growth, but also moves them towards income. So I would agree that that, that law really helped uh, move the plan design forward to make it easy for people to overcome some of these barriers. And now they're able to actually increase that each year. So that's even, to me, that's even more exciting. Like the if your auto enroll starts at 3%, now they can increase that each year automatically. And I'm, again, it's all about habit, I think, for a lot of people and, and fear. They don't want to do anything wrong, you know, <laughs> and they don't understand it. And I, those are the things that I think will make a big difference in the long run, especially now that pensions really are not offered all that often, if at all. So big, big changes that, that impacted the profession overall. Um, Tina, I do want to touch base with you a, a little bit because I know um, one of the questions that I often ask of, of the guests are, you know, what are what are one of the, I guess, top things that you want to make sure the audiences know about you or, or learn about you? It goes back to your special talent, but, but growing on that. Well, I think um, part of sort of my story um, which maybe is a little bit unique is that I started working at ICI really as sort of my first permanent job out of college. Um, and I'm still here. I don't want to say how many years later, I don't want to date myself. <laughs> um, but you know, you, as you can tell, listen to Sarah, when you, when you work here, you sort of breathe in these basic ideas about personal finance with the air a little bit. Um, and ICI offers a 401k, um, and we're really encouraged to participate and take full advantage of that um, and the benefits that were provided here. Um, but not only that, I get to work with Sarah. Um, so I do like, I see the data and I see what a positive difference it makes to start saving early and to keep at it. So I've been sort of part of that environment for so long now. Um, and the data are very clear. If you um, are sort of steeped in the data like Sarah is, you can see what a positive difference it makes to start contributing early to get that nudge, whether you start saving on your own or you're auto-enrolled um, and to bump up your savings rates as you can. Um, it can make such a huge difference. And some of Sarah's research really shows the power of consistent participation over time in a plan um, where if you didn't stop contributing and you just kept at it year after year after year, your, your balance is significantly higher and, you know, you're in much better shape for retirement. So Sarah, you were mentioning, or Tina, you were mentioning that um, the wonderful resources that are out on the ICI website, um, talk a little bit more about those and where those sources come from. There are solid resources available for people who want to start investing or learn more about saving for retirement. Um, I think the ICI Education Foundation's website, which is ICIEF.org, is a great place to start. We have some of our own resources available on there, as well as um, links to other really solid places to start looking um, for more information. And the ICI website 
as well as a great place to go, which is ICI.org. Um, there's a ton of research on there about retirement, um, 401k plans and IRA plans, um, as well as more industry research. And it's really factual, like fact-based um, information that's great um, for anybody who's interested. And Amy, I would add too that anyone who has a 401k plan at their at their job, uh, that plan, their employer offered it as a benefit and they spent a lot of time designing that plan. So they chose the investment lineup on average, 21 options are available, but they also hired typically a financial services firm to help them present and manage that plan. And there are calculators that you can put in your current account balance and your current contribution rate and find out if you keep going at this pace, what might you have at retirement to see if you're on track. Uh, they often will pull in Social Security so you can figure out what that will do. So a really good place to look as well for information specific to your uh, plan would be on the 401k plan website itself. And the other place to look would be uh, the government agencies that regulate all of this. Um, all of these things are in a highly regulated space. Uh, so to learn more about mutual funds, you can go to the Securities and Exchange Commission. They have a lot of educational material. on This is the SEC's website. The Department of Labor has a lot of information to uh, help people understand the process of saving for retirement, or if you're a small employer, what kind of plan you might be able to open up, or if you're self-employed, what kind of plans you have available to you. And FINRA, the Financial uh, Regulatory Authority, also has a lot of helpful information on brokers uh, and investing. So a lot of very uh, highly regulated, neutral sources uh, to give you background, or alternatively, your very own 401k plan, which will give you very specific to your situation information. Yeah, I noticed on the website that you guys, you guys had some great um, resources that were listed for people to be able to explore a little bit further. Because again, they don't, you know, most people don't um, know the terminology behind it. And if you can, if you just can go to one reputable website and it leads you down, you know, all the different, um, I call them time warps, then, you know, because I, I call them that because I can say, um, let me check something real quick. And two hours later, I'm still checking that something really quick because I've gone down time warps. Um, just different, you know, but but knowing that they're good sources that, you know, a lot of people wouldn't know that FINRA is the regulatory body for broker dealers. When you go to their website, there's really good consumer information out there. Um, really good consumer information. That's reputable information. So, um, I appreciate that you guys are, are pointing that out. And I know we were talking about um, what audiences could learn from this conversation. So certainly that website is one. Sarah, are there things that you really hope that people that are listening to this walk away knowing? I really hope that the, the thing you walk, they walk away with is hopefully the, you know, courage to decide they're going to take the step. So the step may be they open up an IRA. The step may be they ask their employer about the plan they have at work and make sure that they're enrolled in it and that they're participating and taking full advantage of it. Uh, so to, to really take a step and it can be a little step of just that first, you know, thinking about uh, the contribution decision and will I do an IRA? Will I do a 401k uh, so that you can start down this path? And it, it, that one step 
you know, it may seem like a scary step, but there's a lot of folks who can help you. Your employer can help you with the plan at work. Uh, again, you can go to an investment professional and there's ways to be sure that they're a good one uh, to help you uh, if you need help that way. Or if you are do it yourself, just go online and you can do it directly at a fund company or with a discount brokerage. So I think just take that first step for yourself. And I wanted to mention to you, um, to everybody that's listening to one of the things um, that, again, when I was doing some research, I learned is that the organization that Tina and Sarah are mentioning, the ICI organization, the foundation, actually just celebrated its 30th birthday. <laughs> Congratulations last year. I feel like I, I feel like I can relate. Um, Tina, talking about when it comes to finances, um, you know, I think people learn from others, I think, and they relate to those stories, right? So um, are there things in your life around finances or stories that, I, I guess, are there influences too that you think people could learn from or the best advice that was given to you or the worst advice that was given to you? <laughs> um, well, I think something, and actually I might've heard this from Sarah. Um, one of the best things that I've heard is start thinking about retirement on the day that you start working. And mm -hmm. I think when I started working, I was thinking about like, how am I going to afford rent here somewhere in DC and like live? But yeah, it's not a cheap, not a cheap place no, to live. But like Sarah said earlier, even if it's a very small amount, just the fact that you start, even if you don't start saving, you start thinking about it. You know that it's something that is coming down the pike for you. Um, and then when you can, even if it's just a tiny amount, start saving, do it consistently, set it up so it happens every month. And then you'll see over time how, how much it will grow for you. Um, that's a really powerful tool. And I think for people who are young, it's even more powerful because they have time on their side and they can actually enjoy the compounding that will come from starting early. So it's a powerful tool. And I think people need to use it when they're young. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. That's a great, a great, if it came from Sarah, then it was great advice that you gave Sarah. In my opinion. <laughs> is, is there anything that anybody has ever said to you? And I, and I don't, I shouldn't have used the word worse because I don't really think that that's no, nobody ever has intentions of giving bad advice. I don't think around that, but, but sometimes it wasn't the right advice for you. And that's one of the things that we often say to people like, you know, don't, I, I could be talking to each of you, and one of you, I would recommend one thing. And the other one, I would recommend something completely different because your lives are completely different. You're in, and, and it was great because Sarah, you mentioned that you love bubbly and Tina, you mentioned you loved red. Well, I'm not going to make the same wine recommendation to both of right. you because of that. So I think that's true about finances. So I'm often curious about, you know, advice that people have received that weren't, it wasn't, bad advice necessarily. It just wasn't the right advice for you. Yeah, that that's a tough one. I, I think that, you know, really when you are thinking about advice, it, it does matter 
the life cycle point that people are at. And, you know, I, I worry a little bit with all the focus in the press on the millennials and how, you know, they, they don't own homes yet and they haven't saved up their entire retirement nest egg yet. And they haven't done, you know, various other milestones. And they're still very young. Um, they still have a, a lot of time to get to these, uh, you know, milestones. And so when you're, you know, talking to millennials, um, really, I, I think back to, you know, they need to get first just the basics of when they get that first paycheck, um, they should try to put some away for retirement, especially if they have a 401k plan at work, because they do not want to leave that employer match on the table because that is money left on the table. So step one, if you can do that, make sure you take advantage of that. But another step would be put a little bit aside in a, a checking account for an emergency, you know, to, to start a little emergency fund. And then with what's left over, that's what you can then spend on, you know, the rent and et cetera. And here, uh, you know, a bit of advice might be you don't need to eat out lunch every day, maybe bring in leftovers. Um, that might be a way to you know, help make that paycheck go further. Uh, so I think that meeting people where they are in their life cycle really helps it, you know, be relevant or salient to them. Uh, so for, for the young millennial, I, yeah, get that employer match, but I may be saving for a house. I may be still paying for my education. And those are all good things to be doing. So, you know, keep doing those things too. And then when we look at an older worker who's getting much closer to retirement, it's a different set of questions. Uh, you know, are you needing to catch up if you did not take advantage of those earlier years and put in and, and you're finding you need a bit more? Our government has recognized that. Policymakers have recognized that when I'm older, um, I could focus more on retirement and we have what are called catch-up contributions. I'm actually allowed to put more in than someone who's younger than 50. And so to make sure you're taking advantage of, of catch-up contributions if you need to, and to take a look at your portfolio to see that as you're headed towards retirement, have you rebalanced appropriately. So I think uh, meeting people where they are in the life cycle, and to your point, don't recommend champagne to the red wine drinker. Um, <laughs> you know, try, to, try to give them a, a, a step that makes sense for them to do where they are. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. Um, I, I uh, will joke for just a moment, and I've probably said this too much in my podcast recently, but it seems like the opportunity has come up, and it's my podcast, so I guess I can say whatever I want, right? So the... <laughs> The, you talked about the millennial generation and the, in the retiree generation. And there's this generation that's in the middle that's the X generation. And right now they're sort of the forgotten generation. And, um, you know, they don't, they don't, they don't give a, a lot of press hardly at all. And it's interesting to me because they're suffering from both. They're still they're still paying off their student loans and they're trying to figure out, especially the older, like maybe the older X generation, they're trying to figure out, okay, is this retirement thing gonna happen or is it gonna be like later? And I think when it comes to the advice that we're giving that group, it's it's really challenging um, because they they had a hiccup in the middle of their career of 2007, eight and nine, where many, you know, were underemployed or unemployed. And it's just a very interesting, 
um, topic that I think makes it even more necessary to get that good education because when you're in your 20s and early 30s, you can kind of make up for mistakes that you made. When you're later in life, it's a bit more challenging to make up for those. It's a little harder or the consequences are a little bit harder. And talking about looking at it by generation, I think is a very important statement because, you know, we're really working with about three major generations right now. Coming on four is that Z generation, I guess, is starting to (laughs) enter the workforce too. So it's um, intriguing that you brought that up. I um I want to because I want to value your time and um and move on to the next question that I'd love to ask us. Um, you know when it when it comes to you you guys have already mentioned that you know you really love a good um, wine and, and uh, um, you know some of the specifically uh, Tina you mentioned um, like a Chianti or. You know, you mentioned Tuscany was one of the the favorite um, regions that you loved wine in, and I wondered uh, what what guided you down that road and and helped you select that particular wine. Well, I um, my husband and I actually took a a really memorable trip to the Chianti area of Tuscany. Uh, Oh, congratulations. It was 10 years ago. So I've been wanting to get back there ever since, of course. Um, so really just the beauty of the area drew, drew me in. And then the wines followed soon after. <laughs> yeah. Congratulations. That's one of my bucket list items. It's, it's so beautiful. It's a wonderful trip. Yeah. And this, um, Sarah, the same for you. Is there some, is there, you mentioned that you like to go with cheese to crack or the cheese crackers or chocolates with your bubbly. Um, but what drew you to picking champagne or bubbly as your favorite wine? I think that uh, bubbly just has a positive association, I, really for everyone, of a happy event or a happy time. Mm. Uh, so traditionally, you have bubbly or champagne at at a wedding or if you're congratulating someone for achieving something. Uh, So I think that it just occurred to me that why should I save it only for those events when I could just have a little bubbly toast to myself with dinner? Um, So uh, I think that the positive association with uh, happy, happy times. Well, life is short. Drink the good wine first, as I always say. <laughs> and, and you should have dessert first, too. <laughs> Absolutely. Isn't that the main meal? <laughs> I, thought the, I thought the rest of the food was just for nutrition. Dessert was the meal. <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day. Um, I love what you're doing with the foundation. And, um, you know, if there's more information that um, we can push out. We'll certainly have information about your foundation in the show notes. Um, We want more people to be aware of you and what your organization is doing, as I mentioned in the intro. And um, certainly if there's other pieces of information that you would like us to include, feel free to send them to us. We'll link them if it's okay with you from our website, um, you know, just as resources directly over to you. We believe very wholeheartedly that financial planning starts with financial education. 
And so um, your resources are a great place for people to go and get really good information. And we thank you so much for taking time out of your busy days and, you know, spending, spending it with us and being on the show. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you for having us, Amy. And that will about do it for today's episode of Wine and Dime. You can contact Amy through the website, www.rootedpg.com or amy at rootedpg.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at rootedpg for the latest news. And if you have any questions, comments, or topics you would like to hear about, feel free to let us know. And don't forget to rate and subscribe the show wherever you get your podcasts. And again, thank you for listening and be sure to tune in next time.